Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Get ready, pal. Here's your host, Randy Tobler. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Will Sharf's going to join us in the next segment. You, uh, Actually, it's 7.35. You won't want to miss that because the next segment will be Hannah, that we don't want to miss what's hot with Hannah because I brought in some chocolate for her this morning. She's you pumped. Did. She's fired up. We're going to be on time. Now, you may have wondered what happened at the end of the last segment. We thought we'd do a little inside <laughs> radio. Once in a while, and you can. <laughs> I ju- fall asleep at the no, board. No, it wasn't that. You can tell when we get into a, a, a discussion where there may be a little difference of opinion. Um, it gets interesting, and see, those are the conversations that then we we forget time, we lose time. That happens behind you, the curtain. Yeah, and John and <laughs> Stephanie and producer Hannah, you know, you think about private uh, conversation. You know, when you're having lunch or coffee with someone, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, I got a meeting at nine, and it's five till, and I'm fifteen minutes away. Mm-hmm. Ah, it was just good conversation. I want to return to it. And when we say we're up against a break, yeah, we mean. That we're about to get booted out of this thing. Yeah. And things just automatically, automatedly happen. And that's what happened. But I want to pick this up again because I found some of the details. Because all of you out there, I'm telling you, I, maybe, am I the, Hannah, am I the only one that's, let me check the text line here. Am I the only one that's getting a little bit ticked off at spending in elite places that, you know, control our lives and who their candidates are and want our money to help elect those candidates? And then you go like, what are you what are you doing? Okay. Uh, Outdoor John says, Randy, you shouldn't quit the NRA because of the alleged indiscretions of one man. The NRA is composed of millions of freedom lovers going to withhold judgment away until his court case, his court case is over. He, he's, he was convicted. I mean, well, not convicted, but I don't think it was a, well, was it Letitia James went after him? Was it a civil trial? I don't know. Um, if you're do- Sam says if you're do- so we were talking about donations to the NRA Wayne LaPierre you know was found like in in a Trumpesque way guilty of just a lot of lavish spending helicopter rides for executives who didn't want to sit in traffic we 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 excuse me we all sit in traffic sorry you know deal with it uh if you're donating to Republicans you are not donating to conservative causes Republicans are not conservatives says Sam wow uh so there you go okay um we're going to circle back to that in a second, but we want to remind you, yesterday was the first day of filing. Hot news. Kurt Schaefer from right here in mid-Missouri, Columbia area, fired for filed for CD3. He did. And then, uh, let's see, but we had heard, so Taylor Burks did not file for CD3. No. Neither did Justin Hicks. We had heard maybe State Representative right. Justin Hicks would get in. He, I think, formed an exploratory committee. He did not file yesterday. Other people who didn't file, uh, State Treasurer Vivek Malik didn't file. Now, you still have time to file, right? He's so supposed you, to speak tomorrow night. Well, there's, it doesn't... I'll you know, have to ask you. We're saying they didn't file yesterday. That, that was doesn't the first mean day. That they're not going to file. Because it can be a strategic thing to wait, right? Oh, you, yeah. Well, if some people think that ballot order matters, and so if you were on, if yeah. you were there yesterday, you drew a number, um, and so you. But if you missed yesterday, then maybe you wait till the end, and then you're last. That could be a play. Maybe right? Vivek Malik was busy trying to figure out ways to expand the uh, Mo Plus, you know, small business loans, he and was, give people more of their money that the state owns. He was not. He was under fire in a House committee most of the day for putting his messaging about unclaimed property on illegal uh, machines, illegal slot machines and gas what? machines. Yeah. Wow. This, so he was busy whoa, yesterday. this is interesting. Yeah, well, he but was. he got the word out to the people. 
Maybe they maybe if they get the unclaimed property, they won't be at the illegal slot machine. Uh, there was bipartisan problem. <laughs> well, they may put it right back into the illegal shop. They slot were machine. there was bipartisan agreement that the that, that the message shouldn't right. have been on there. And I think even he decided he said yesterday that he was going to pull it. All right, and and Caleb Rowden hasn't filed yet. He hasn't filed yet either. Other people that, um, yeah, I think those are the big ones of people that like we didn't see show up yesterday. That again, that doesn't mean that they're not going to file, um, but some people that maybe you would have expected to file on the first day. All right, so now uh, Brian Housworth just walked into the studio. He was writing out his check to the NRA, and Brian, I want to tell you before you write out and finish sending that check. Mm-hmm. You you know you are the RNC. Mm. If you want to write out that check to the RNC, listen to this. So, folks, if you're just joining the show, I have an axe to grind. We're going to grind it because I I want you to hold the people's to whom you're donating feet to the fire. In every other nonprofit organization, there is an, a watchdog group where you can get on. You say how much of the money goes to administration? Okay, this is a Newsweek article from December regarding the Republican National Committee's spending. In a context of, at that time, the governing body reported its lowest bank balance at that point in any year since 2016. Okay? And that's a really good, because we wouldn't be having this conversation if we we had a ton of cash on hand. I mean, the Democrat, the DNC has so much more money than the RNC. And if we were flush with cash, you know, we wouldn't be going line by line. I mean, this article says, oh my gosh, can you believe we paid for 64 trips to Starbucks in 11 months? Hannah, how many times have you been to Starbucks in a year? I bet it's more than 66. Like, that's not a lot. Should I throw my hat in for the RNC? Okay. Instead of Starbucks, I'm going to give people a Keurig machine and some pods. And I'll even make it. They could even have exotic pods. They could have uh, maybe a special Jamaican pods. if they The the civet cat coffee. There you go. I mean, you know, black rifle pods. You know, we're going to do some serious, you know, we're going to do some serious cost cutting when money is what what buys elections and our money's going to you know the rich carlton in dallas texas in october 75 grand uh fast food expense and you know where you know where okay you know what's low down on the list mcdonald's 23 transactions at mcdonald's i want to see 200 transactions at mcdonald's i want to see ronna mcdonald i want to see laura trump eating at McDonald's and then I'll donate. But maybe that maybe those Starbucks trips were actually cost cutting because you know what they weren't they weren't steak dinners and they were most likely meetings between her and someone else and she said let's go grab coffee and you know what you weren't paying for was Ruth's Chris or Morton's or whatever it is. Oh, well, I'm sure I was paying for that too. <laughs> okay. So I don't know and you maintain that this is the DNC as well that they do the same? Yes. I mean, the the liberal coastal elites, you think they're eating at McDonald's? No. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, how come the news media isn't going after them? Because, because they have the liberal media. And they have a ton of cash. And so, you know, it's it, he, everyone starts looking at the expenses when suddenly you're out of cash. And we don't have that much cash right now. And so I can are, relate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the bank account hits zero. You go, what the heck happened? LaPierre buying limousine rides, private jet charters. I mean, you know, and, we, you know, we, I know, and someone says, Randy, 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 there's a bunch of freedom-loving, gun-loving people, and don't, I'm, this is not about the people who support them. This is, in fact, 
in respect for the people. Many of you out there, I'm a, I'm a lifetime NRA member, right? And now I'm thinking they keep appealing for more money. I think I'm going to go to Gun Owners of America and look at them. I don't but know. For, but for many of these really big organizations, you want really good leadership. And where do you go for that leadership? Especially on the Republican side, you go to the private sector. And so in order to attract and retain the best talent among leadership, you have to match probably a lifestyle <clears throat> that they are used to. Does, does a lot of money... And a lot of limousine and a lot of hoity-toity Four Seasons Hotel make you a good leader. No. I know a lot of good leaders. There are, there are dozens of leaders here in Columbia, Missouri that lead great small businesses, many of which sponsor our, comp- our, our show and our station. They, they could be awesome leaders. They wouldn't require helicopter rides. Okay, mm. enough said. Brian Houseworth joins us now. Well, it it really gets back to the great. I I really think the success of of politics is all. Tip O'Neill said it best. All politics is local in grassroots. That's uh, that. You're going to say something. Well, yeah. No, Brian brings up a really good point, because if you want to talk about cost cutting, if we went to uh, statewide Lincoln Days in Kansas City and uh, it was all people could talk about was the quality of the hotel. So um, not good. No. Yeah. So, I mean. The Missouri GOP is is not is is budget friendly. So Good. if you want to no. give your money, All right. as Brian no, no, was saying, no, look, stay I, local. I, I think we need to be truth seeking here. If there are people, you come to the Lincoln, uh, the the Boone County Lincoln Days tomorrow night, and you'll Stephanie's going to speak on the decline to sign movement, right? Yes. And I saw another one. I stopped in at Aldi's to get some toothpicks for the fondue last night. They didn't have it, but there was a guy out there, and I I was going to approach him. I was in one of those fighting moods. I figured I'm not going to go there. Another guy asking for the IP signatures. And they're doing that. There's a lot of, and there's a multiple signatures out there um, that are out there. And IP, I, I know that there's going to get a lot of attention. Stephanie's touched on on the filing. I want to say something about the filing. I think that's very important. Um, and, and we, of course, will have Will Sharf on. I was in Jefferson City yesterday and talked to Congressman Graves and talked to Congressman Jason Smith. And Missouri has two very powerful, mm-hmm. um, I mean, two as high up as they get, ways and means and also um, tr- transportation. But two main observations I don't think have gotten a lot of attention. In District 44, which is Cherie Tolson's Reich, Reich's district, Hallsville, Parts of it's the northern tip of Columbia, but the area basically northeast Columbia, you know, the, that that area, it's been redistricted. Um, very Republican. This is a, it's a bright red district. Two Republicans have filed. Now, one is a very familiar name to our audience, John Martin. Um, yes. Who is oh, a, yeah. A, 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 um, a, pro-pumping and hydrojetting, and then a guy named Bryce Beal, B-E-A-L from Ashland. I don't know Bryce, but he is also Stephanie filed. knows a lot about Bryce. You, you know Bryce. Dave Rathel, who has run against Cherie Tolson yeah. Reich and routinely um, comments on, on 93.9 The Eagle Facebook page. He, he called, is, in the last cycle, he called Cherie Tolson Reich a fascist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. In, in, and he said some other stuff on our Facebook page, but he, he has filed as an well, which, character. which is, which is interesting. But I also think the, you know, for the, for the Democrats, Crystal Quaid and, um, if you look yesterday at, at her feed, they have really tried to prioritize trying to at least find candidates in some of these districts that had gone uncontested before. And maybe they'll win some of these. We'll have to have to wait and see. But uh, Adrian Plank filed for re-election. So did uh, David Tyson Smith from Columbia, as did uh, Kathy Steinhoff. And then, of course, uh, Jim Schulte over in New Bloomfield. Yeah. 
And last but not least, Doug Mann, who's a freshman Ooh. Democrat from Columbia, he is not filing. Um, so there'll be a new. Re- he's wow. not. He's not. And she's not going to run again. Jim Schulte gets my vote because remember he brought us bacon. He brought me a piece of bacon at the governor's breakfast. He was there. Automatically, <laughs> Jim's a shoe in. Jim, we love you. Heavily involved in the all 70 right. project. All right. Well. Hey, Brian Houseworth covering all of that. And I'm sure John and Brian will have a lot of stories on KWS.com and 939theeagle.com. Uh, coming up, what's hot with Hannah? And after that, Will Scharf, candidate for attorney general, joins us. And at 810, just filed yesterday, Kurt Schaefer joins us, well-known in, Ameri- in uh, Missouri politics for CD3. We'll be back. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Saying whatever we want. Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Hey, look at this. It's not even 725 yet. Should I riff until 725 and then we'll do Hot with Hannah? Or can I earn credits for when we run late tomorrow or the next day? Can, uh, well, you can't like store them. Oh, I thought to you could use for a rainy day. I thought it was no. like PTO time. You can store it and use it next year. <laughs> Bank no. it back. <laughs> time for what's hot with Anna. I will briefly recap the <laughs> cheese gate uh, argument we were having yesterday. Oh, string cheese. Yeah. Stephanie says it's not cheese. Stephanie, you and I said it did. Yeah, Stephanie was trying to tell us that string cheese mm-hmm. is not, in fact, mm-hmm. cheese. Uh, we looked at the ingredients of several of our favorite brands. Mm-hmm. And there's only like five ingredients tops, and milk was always the first one. Yes. Um, survey says 38.9% of people voted and said that no, string cheese does not qualify as a real cheese. The winner, weighing in with 61.1% of votes, yes. is yes. Woo! So That's almost as many votes as a percentage as Donald Trump got. <laughs> He beat Nikki Haley substantially yesterday in the Michigan primary. Yeah, but string cheese isn't pulling out of the race. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but up, up. Look at that little pun in there. A little pulling out. I like that. Good for you. Now, there's, to get into what's hot with Hannah, now that it's 726 almost, this is more where I'm comfortable starting, okay? Oh, okay. Look at this. I give her her the stage, and she says I'm out of material. Look at this. (laughs) No, I'm just saying I'm used to starting at 726. We're going to get, I'm telling you, we're turning over a new leaf. My resolutions take a while to simmer and marinate, and then they'll they'll come into play. One of the lightning pole questions on the Today Show's website for Mm -hmm. this week is, would you pay more for your favorite fast food at peak times of the day? Oh, I saw Have you seen this? Surge pricing. Yeah. Yeah, surge pricing. So, you know, let's say noon, you know, Uh. busy lunch rush. Would you pay a few cents more for your combo meal in the drive-thru because you know it's a busy time? And I guess, B, would that also cut down on some of the traffic that goes through there to shorten lines and wait times? I don't know. But Wendy's basically kind of came out and said that they were going to be implementing this surge pricing starting in 2025 and the internet you know had opinions as the internet does Uh, and the wendy's ceo had to issue another statement saying oh no no we didn't mean it like that 
Which, right, sure. <laughs> I mean... I, I don't know. I think wouldn't... How would the timeliness of the delivery of that higher price food affect your willingness to pay for it? Don't we kind of already have that in reverse? Because there's always been like an early bird special that if you eat dinner at five, you get a discount, <laughs> right? And so then the people who eat at seven during uh. the surge time pay full full rate. Um, I, I don't know that I really have a problem with this, but also uh, us weird radio people keep weird hours. So now I am like an early bird dinner person <laughs> and then I eat lunch at like 1030. So. I know our coworkers in the office, when they see us, eating lunch you know 9 30 10 yeah, o'clock yeah, yeah. they're like what are you why are you eating mac and cheese at 10 in the morning you know hannah i think i would because only because i can that's exactly. right i would only be willing to pay a little surcharge for the surge pricing if the food was as timely or timelier than at other times because why else are you paying for it, right? Just because, you know, it's popular then? No. But I would be infuriated and probably not return to the establishment if I paid a surcharge and I waited longer because it was surge time. I think that's kind of where I'm at, right? Like, if you're going to raise the price yep. and I also still have to wait in a long line, that feels like a lose-lose to me as a consumer. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's only a couple cents. So ARP, is it enough for people to even like change their behavior? I know, yes. you know, we talk about, no, I don't think It's the so. principle of the matter. You know, we say that when like we get like local taxing, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a TIF or something yeah. like, I'm not going to go to that shopping yeah. mall. I'm going to go over here. And you know what? You know, I still go where the TIF is because it's a couple cents and I forget and I don't, you know. Well, or, okay. or like when people say they're going to stop listening and they come back in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait. Uh, now, Ed says, sorry, Randy, Stephanie's right. If you're looking for a multi-hundred-thousand-dollar donor or million-dollar donor, a more important litmus test would be the efficiency at the dollar spent to the dollar's race. Okay. Woohoo! I'm right. I might be wrong about cheese, but I'm right about the RNC. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take what you can get, Steph. Ah, we were talking about Jim Schulte, and uh, one of his neighbors says he and Janelle are the great people, uh, So, and they help volunteer at the Tebbets Community Center for Friday Dinners. And there's a fish fry out there. Okay, that's good to know. Hey, coming up, Will Sharp. We're going to ask a couple of tough questions from Will when he comes back. AG candidate Will Sharp joins us in a minute. This is Wake Up Big Missouri. Even we're not sure what's about to happen. Welcome back to Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Program note, uh, Kurt Schaefer, who filed for CD3 yesterday, yesterday, a surprise filing, uh, will join us at 810, so you won't want to miss that. Joining us now, Will Scharf, candidate for Attorney General in Missouri. Will, how you doing? Thanks for being with us. Doing great. Thanks so much for having me this morning. All right, so, um, hey, there's been some pretty scathing ads come out from uh, the Bailey campaign calling you Wall Street Willie, that you've come from big bucks, you're an elitist, you you flew in here and you're not really a true Missourian and you, you worked for Joe Biden's Justice Department. Man, they're tearing you up, brother. What, what do you have to say? Yeah, look, you know, they're seeing the same poll numbers that we're seeing, uh, which shows that we're closing in on Andrew uh, day by day. Uh, this race is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And they're scared. So instead of attacking my record, they're uh, leveling baseless personal attacks and calling me funny names. It's like a campaign for fifth grade class president. Uh, The people of Missouri are going to be able to see through that. Uh, We feel great about the grassroots support we have all over the state. 
Uh, and ultimately, I think this race is going to be one on the issues, not on uh, funny names. So. I know you filed yesterday, Will, uh, Brian here, and we appreciate you joining us live. Uh, the Attorney General, um, Andrew Bailey, did file as well, and then we also have a Democratic uh, candidate who's filed, and there may be others. His name is Elod Gross, and a lot of our listeners may know him. He has run before. Um, what are What are some of the issues you're focusing on in this race? Priorities, if elected as Attorney General, top couple of priorities you'd focus on off the bat? Yeah, look, just at a very broad level, I think we have a real problem in this state with special interest and lobbyist capture of Jefferson City. I think the agenda in Jefferson City fundamentally is set uh, by a very small number of of lobbyists, powerful special interests, and I think that just doesn't serve the people of Missouri. Uh, So I'm not a Jefferson City insider. Uh, I'm, I'm a political outsider, a conservative Uh, I think we'll bring a very different approach to governing in Jefferson City than we've seen out of our political leadership uh, for a very long time. In terms of specific issues, uh, I think the core responsibility of the Missouri Attorney General's office is protecting Missourians' rights. I think we need to build a very strong Attorney General's office full of smart, young conservatives who can go out and do that work. Uh, Sometimes that's going to involve things like suing the federal government. Other times it's going to involve holding state and local bureaucrats accountable, which has just been a real problem in this state over the last few years. Uh, And then lastly, I think we need to really focus on on crime issues. I think our cities increasingly uh, have have just a a totally intractable crime problem. Uh, And through inaction on the part of Jefferson City, uh, that problem seems to be getting worse, not better. If the state's going to have a bright future, we need to uh, combat and defeat violent crime, and I think the AG's office can play a key role in that. Will Scharf, candidate for Missouri Attorney General, joins us on Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. Will, the story we have to cycle back to, because it just came out of left field for everybody. Representative Unsiker's comments about you and Eli Gross being <laughs> sleeper Israeli unregistered agents and all. I know you've commented on that, but... Gosh, have you have you gotten back past that weird piece of bad press? Yeah, I mean, she hit Elad worse than she did me. It was just deeply weird. I think my quote at the time was that Sarah Unsicker is so far down the rabbit hole, even the rabbits think she's crazy. And I stand by that. Um, it was just a very weird incident um, that I don't think any of us really expected in this race. Uh, I guess the Democrats yesterday refused to allow Unsicker to file as a Democrat for governor. Um, I think that's positive, and uh, I don't think it'll really have any impact on the race. It was just very, very strange. And you, you are correct on that. The Democrats did uh, essentially, and you reported it, Randy, as did I. You have to, if you're yeah. one for office, you got to get basically certification from a party. They mm-hmm. declined it. It's, it's a little complex, but the Will is absolutely correct. I want to ask a quick follow-up. Um, Will, you mentioned priorities. We did have Andrew Bailey on the show last week, and I know it's a local issue, but very important, I think. Columbia City Council's approved a four-page LGBTQ ordinance, uh, and uh, they had three hours of testimony. They were worried they were going to violate the fire code. They had that many people. I mean, people literally lined up out the door. General Bailey said on this show he believes that ordinance, four pages, violates religious freedoms. And I know you've been busy campaigning. Have you, have you had a chance to look at that ordinance and any thoughts on that? I haven't seen the ordinance, but we've seen blue jurisdictions in this state and around the country uh, completely flout religious liberty and pass just insane measures exactly like that. 
I think the AG's office needs to be taking a proactive, aggressive role on that, whether it's sunshining localities, school districts, uh, filing lawsuits where appropriate. Uh, I think that's something that's very, very important. And, and as I said before, protecting Missourians' rights needs to be the highest and first responsibility for the attorney general's office. One thing that I will say is that Bailey's office has been very quick to fire off letters, but much slower to actually file lawsuits and legal process. And I've said before that I think Andrew is running a highly effective press operation, but a much less effective legal operation. They've seen about 30 percent attorney turnover since Eric Schmidt left office in just the last year. Uh, There's some real problems there. So I think we would take a, uh, a very aggressive approach on these sorts of issues. And I like to think we would do a better job than the, than the current folks running the show there. Well, in a, in a related, I, I want to ask you a question that people through the last not year or two or four or five or ten have talked to me about. But these are everyday folks on the street who have a problem with a roofing company who's a fly-by-night after a hailstorm or a dent fix company or a dispute with a metropolitan, uh, you know, with a with a civil authority, uh, you know, a, a political subdivision. And they feel as though because the attorney general, and this is not directed as much at, at, at A.G. Bailey's office as it is every other office that seems to aspire to hire, I mean, you know, Josh Hawley, uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, and these are good Republican people, right? Um, it, 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 people tell me, wow, I called the A.G.'s office and they seem to be more interested in the high-profile headline cases that are politically expedient than they are in getting after the people that wronged me, that accused me of something, or that, you know, scammed me. Is that a matter of it's not a jurisdiction within the AG's office, or not enough staffing, or not enough interest, or all of the above, or something I'm not mentioning? No, consumer protection is a core responsibility of the Attorney General's office. And we've heard from people all over the state that they've filed very serious consumer protection claims uh, with that office and heard nothing back in response. Uh, I think that's a staffing issue. I think it's a prioritization issue. Uh, if you get good, conservative, smart lawyers in that office, though, if you staff it, staff it up the way that it's supposed to be, uh, we can do a lot to ad- address exactly that kind of scam, that kind of problem. Uh, and we can make Missouri a much less safe state for people who would who would go about scamming their fellow citizens. I think that's very important. Yeah. Uh, and finally, um, it's been mentioned that you were a senior advisor to former Governor Eric Reitens. And that uh, and I'm just as a candidate for uh, for statewide office. What did you learn from that experience and from the Greitens era that may help you, you know, should you be elected AG? Yeah, look, I think that the the Greitens administration didn't end the way that any of us were hoping. Uh, But in the year and a half that we were there, we were very successful at moving the ball downfield uh, on a wide range of conservative policy issues. I'm very proud of the work we did, for example, calling a special session on life issues in the summer of 2017. We cut taxes. We passed needed labor and tort reform. Uh, We deregulated probably more than any administration in Missouri history. Uh, I'm not happy with the way that administration ended, but I'm pretty proud of the policy record we had while we were there. And getting around the state, Missouri Republicans uh, seem to agree that I haven't really heard uh, anti-Greitens hits as something that's um, that's really bothering people on the stump right now. Uh, and most people think that Eric Greitens was, uh, was to the right of where our current gov- government in Jefferson City is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. It's it's obviously it's part of my history, uh, but I'm proud of the work we were able to get done while we were there.
Will, Will, you've been right in the middle of the criticizing the Justice Department over how they've handled the Trump case. I mean, you're part of the legal team and all. Hunter Biden headed back to Capitol Hill. Any takeaways from this or just more of the same? Well, it's it's the the two-tiered system of justice we've seen where a different set of rules applies to Democrats. I mean, Hunter Biden is example number one of that. Uh, during the Trump administration, Don Jr. and Eric, they sat for hours and hours and hours of depositions. Uh, meanwhile, Hunter thumbs his nose, his, his nose, excuse me, at congressional subpoenas uh, requests to testify, and nothing seems to happen to him. Um, I think the way that his criminal cases have been handled speak to that as well. The attempt at sort of ramming through a sweetheart deal in Delaware federal court. Uh, the Biden DOJ has gone totally, uh, totally off the reservation. Uh, and the weaponization of the Department of Justice and our system of law enforcement and, and the courts more generally uh, to pursue President Biden's political opponents. It's one of the most dangerous developments in American history. And I'm proud as a member of President Trump's legal team to be fighting back against those efforts every day. Yeah, it's really a travesty. Everyday Americans wonder, like, uh, what, am I next if some prosecutor doesn't agree with my politics? I write in, I call in, uh, I host a conservative talk show. I mean, you know, people begin to wonder. And, uh, you know, it's it's, well, it's, it's got to be set straight. Noting, you know, President Trump has a First Amendment right to run for office, but every single American citizen also has a, a reciprocal First Amendment right uh, to to vote for a candidate of their choice, to campaign for a candidate of their choice, to uh you know, communicate with other people about uh, who they're choosing to, to run for office. When Joe Biden and his team interfere with the election uh, by by pushing forward these indictments, by pushing forward these cases in courtrooms across America, they're not just interfering with President Trump's constitutional rights. They're actually also interfering with each and every one of our constitutional rights. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's just a tremendous violative act that really uh, strikes to the core of the American yeah. Republic, and I'm, I'm I'm hopeful that we win and and again and again and again in the coming weeks and months. Will uh, aside from your candidacy for Attorney General, I'd like you to comment on your current thoughts about how what seems to be a growing tide of uh, of um, of support for pro Palestinian slash pro Hamas activities over in Gaza among young people, an increasingly important um, block in the electorate. Yeah, look, I think the rise of anti-Semitism on the left in particular in American society today, I think it's deeply concerning uh, to all Jews. I think it's deeply concerning to, to many non-Jewish Americans as well. Uh, I think it's deeply weird, but I think it's the result of the rise of intersectionality as the organizing principle uh, on the modern left, that when, uh, when you see oppression everywhere and when all oppression is linked, you know, it's like if if if, uh, if you only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, so the idea that you would have a group called Queers for Palestine when Hamas regularly executes uh, homosexual <laughs> people, um, it, it's just it's a very strange place yep. we're at right now. All right, um, Will. I think a lot of uh, Will, we, a lot of it's being funded by left wing organizations. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, so, we're we're up against the clock, Will. If people want to tap into your campaign, where do they go? VoteSharp.com. You can find us on social media at Will Sharp. Thanks All right. Lot, guys. Will Sharp, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, and good luck in the campaign. Don't forget, Kurt Schaefer, newly uh, filing for uh, CD3 yesterday, joins us at 810. Coming up, John, John, what's on your plate? Well, how about, is that a prairie dog in your pocket? <laughs> and you know the rest. Oh, boy. And that would be all except for this. Coming up with John Marsh. Stay tuned. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri.
Their words are their responsibility. What you think, that's on you. This is Wake Up in Missouri. And that would be all. Except for this. Or are you just glad to see me? A 22-year-old man from Taiwan detained at the International Airport in Bangkok after he was found to be hiding two Asian small-clawed otters and a prairie dog. The man had the animal stuffed into three separate socks and taped into his (laughs) boxers. Officers say... They became suspicious about the large bulge below the man's <laughs> waistband. <laughs> they say he admitted to buying them in a market in the city. They were taken to a conservation area. The suspect was arrested. Thai Customs Department spokesman said, quote, We will catch anyone who tries to take animals on planes, no matter if they hide them down their pants or buy them a seat. I think the important takeaway was that the otters were described as small Clawed oh. otters, and in your boxers, wow. that'd probably be a good thing. Yeah. Now we call that the now, San- now you know the rest of that story. That's the Sandy Burger maneuver, isn't it? It, in it a is a different construct. Yeah. There you go. And now the ladies on the show here were talking yesterday about the what were you calling it? the light jerseys? The very the new MLB uniforms, yeah. which are that wouldn't have worked out well for this guy either. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> There's nope. no hiding anything in the new un- uniform. Yeah. Not even your dignity. <laughs> Maybe especially. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad for anyone that's not aware of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, spring training just started. Got some new Major League Baseball uniforms hitting the field. Uh, Nike and Fanatics have teamed up to, you know, produce these new jerseys. And uh, Nike has a new innovative fabric that's really lightweight and airy and breathable. And see-through. And see-through. So, go. especially the uh, the teams that wear white pants, uh, they're having some troubles. One of my favorite accounts, John, is the um, TSA Instagram. Hannah, do you follow them? I don't. TSA. I, yeah, TSA has, like, one of the best Instagrams of all time, I think. Um, and it's just TSA. And they post regularly pictures of what people try to bring through yeah. airport oh, yeah, security. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is... Insane, and they'll also like give you a hint of how, like the one of the more recent ones. Someone like opened a toothpaste tube and had shoved things in a Colgate tube to try to hide it, and they're like, "Yeah, oh no, we we found you out." Me. Well, there no. was oh a there was a TV show about one of the major airports in the U.S., and a lot of it was customs yeah. just going through people's bags and finding things that they tried to sneak across, uh, you know, that they didn't claim. For, custom for a while there was a lot of drug running with you know plastic bags in body cavities uh you know uh, various cavities well even just bottom cavities <laughs> yeah. even just weird stuff that you know agricultural products yeah things like that that you're not supposed to bring from other countries well those invasive species that can be brought in can be devastating there's no doubt about that i know hawaii is very very careful about that um and so that they don't want you bringing anything, and vice versa. They, you know, the mainland doesn't want people bringing things in from Hawaii. So it's the same way. Um, so it makes it, I guess, if we cycle back to the uh, the see through 
baseball pants and Cardinal Mason win makes it that much tougher for him to steal second, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, next thing you'll see people like Beyonce and Taylor Swift wearing those on stage, you know, just to give I, a little I glimpse. highly yeah. doubt it. You don't think so? No. They wear pretty see-through-y kind of stuffy not Taylor. No. Really, you well, go there? Not, not, not Taylor, but the others do. I'm, I'm just talking in general, the stars. They wear stuff that, I don't know, I don't think I would want a, my 8 or 10 or 12-year-old daughter to be, you know, aspiring to. I mean, if my body looks like Taylor Swift, I'd wear what she wears, too. <laughs> Some people have said her outfits look like a 1970s, uh, you know, majorette outfit. Yeah, she's cute. <laughs> I like it. All right. Hey, when we come back, Kurt Schaefer has just filed for CD3, so we'll be talking with him on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. Glad you're here. Thanks for being here.